Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. My name is Pastor Jason Van Bemmel. I'm privileged to be the pastor of Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and I'm privileged that you've joined me today for our 726th day together in God's Word as we look at Daniel chapter 2. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for your day-by-day faithfulness to us as we spend time in your Word. Be our teacher and our God our guide into truth. Break up the hard parts of our heart that are resistant to your word, that there might be good soil for the seed of your word as it is sown today. May it bear fruit for your glory in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Daniel chapter 2. In the second year of the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded, that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time, because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. 
Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might. For you have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went in to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, no wise man, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and your visions of your head as you lay in your bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this, and he who reveals mystery made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, so that not a trace of them could be found, but the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all, you are the head of gold. Another kingdom, inferior to you, shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth, and there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things, and like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you see the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, 
just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of lords and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king, and he promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. That's Daniel chapter 2. Well, this is carrying on from where we were a few days ago in Daniel chapter 1, and we see Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are now in the king's service. So it says in verse 1, the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, and that's difficult to understand exactly what's meant by that. It, it most certainly doesn't mean the second year that Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon, because Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon back when he came up against Jerusalem and took it captive. And so we don't know exactly um, what is meant here, but it's probably the second year that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in service in the king's court. Another possible interpretation, if we want to understand this as really being the second year of the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, as it says, and not just the second year of the service of Daniel and his friends in the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. The other way to understand this is that in the Babylonian tradition, they, they counted the year of ascension to power as year zero. So that would have been the year when Nebuchadnezzar actually marched on Jerusalem and took captives and brought them back. And then this would have, that, that first year would have been the year that Daniel and his friends were, were taken into service of the king. And that would have been year zero. And then the next year would have been the first full year of his reign, year one. And the year after that would have been the second full year of his reign, year three. So it's possible that what's happening here is this is right at the end of their three-year service of training. And they are now qualified. They've been tested. But they, they aren't yet serving in the court of the king because they're not initially summoned. So this is kind of that transition period where they're done with their training. But they're not yet in service to the king. And this is telling the story of how they came to be so so highly favored as to be brought into the king's service. And this kind of gives us the explanation of what we were told at the end of Daniel chapter 1. Either way, it's either 
either the second year of their service of Daniel, of, of Nebuchadnezzar, or it is the second full year of his reign. We would consider that the third year of his reign, but that's not how the Babylonians numbered things. So, bottom line is, Nebuchadnezzar's reigning as king, and he's got a bad dream, and his spirit's troubled, and he can't sleep. And he is knows that this dream is important because it keeps waking him up, keeps being unable to sleep. It's really weighing on his mind. You ever have a period of time in your life when you couldn't sleep, when you were waking up in the middle of the night with stress or anxiety or something bothering you, and you couldn't get back to sleep, and you toss and turn, you toss and turn? That's really frustrating, right? And if you're the most powerful man on earth, and you've very quickly ascended to power and conquered neighboring nations, and you are the man, you know, this is very distressing. Is someone about to assassinate you? Is everything going to be taken from you? Is there a secret invasion coming from? He doesn't know, right? And he wants to know that if he asks his advisors what the dream means, that they're not just going to be spinning. They're not going to be just telling him what he wants to hear. And so this test, this impossible test, really, and that is you have to tell me what the dream was and its interpretation. And three times he goes back and forth with the people in his court, his advisors, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, to tell him what the dream is and what its interpretation is. He doesn't want to be buttered up to. He doesn't want to people to spin it for him. And the, the test of the authenticity of their interpretation will be whether or not they can actually tell him the dream. Because if the gods can reveal the interpretation, then surely the gods can reveal the dream too. At the end of the day, they say, no, the thing that the king asks is too difficult. Verse 11, no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. And then everything is about to go down and everyone's about to be killed. The decree went out, wise men about to be killed. Now, Daniel and his friends, maybe they've just finished their training. And so they're going to be swept up in this. And Daniel goes, requests the king to appoint him a time to show him the interpretation. And then he goes home and they pray. They seek mercy from the God of heaven. And God answers. God answers. And Daniel praises God for being the one who alone has wisdom and might, the one who alone changes times and seasons, the one who alone removes kings and sets up kings. We saw this yesterday and the day before in Isaiah 37 and 38. It's a key theme of these, this set of chapters that we're in right now. And you know, that's a very important thing for us to keep in mind as we're going into a presidential election year in 2024 to keep in mind that it's God who reigns over all these things. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness. And so Daniel gives him thanks. And then Daniel goes in and tells the king. He tells Nebuchadnezzar in a very straightforward way that what he has asked is impossible for any human being to be able to reveal. Daniel doesn't want the credit for himself. He says there's nobody on earth but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And so he says, it's been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than any of the living in verse 30, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king. Again, to show that this is from God, Daniel praises God. 
And then he tells Nebuchadnezzar what his dream was, this great statue. Great statue. Head of bronze. Chest and arms of silver. Middle and thighs of bronze. Leg of iron. Feet of iron mixed partly with clay. Nebuchadnezzar is given this vision. And Daniel even tells him that it's of things yet to come. It's of the kingdoms that will come after him. And then during that last kingdom, the feet of iron mixed with clay, a stone, a stone struck the image and became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And the best way to understand this, I believe, is that the head of gold is the kingdom of Babylon. The Medo-Persian Empire with King Cyrus comes afterwards. They are the chest of silver. After that comes the Greek Empire with Alexander the Great. They are the middle part of bronze. And then comes the Roman Empire. Unlike any other empire before, it conquers over a wide area and is very strong and very, very difficult to oppose. The Roman Empire exceeds all others in strength. It has a bigger empire, a more, a more powerful empire, and a longer-lasting empire than any of the others, just as iron right, is stronger and longer-lasting than any of those other metals. But the Roman Empire was divided, divided several different ways at several different times. There was the triumvirate and all this kind of stuff. Study Roman history. It was very divided. And it's very mixed because there was strength, but there was also brittleness because sometimes they had emperors who were crazy and they had power concentrated in the hands of those who were just not right in the head. But also, also I think the mixed nature of iron and clay is that in Israel, you had a mixed administration of the Roman governor, like Pontius Pilate, and an Edomite king, Herod the Great, and then his descendants for four generations, mixed. Mixed strength with weakness. Mixed, you know, and so during that time, during that time of the Roman Empire and the weakness and strength mixed, and this mixed rule over the people of God. That's one thing. All these four kingdoms, what they have in common? All four of them are ruling over the people of God. They're ruling over Israel. And so that's why it's so centrally important in, in God's kingdom. And so what happens during the Roman Empire is that a stone, a stone comes. A king set up by the God of heaven whose kingdom will never be destroyed. His kingdom will not be left to another people. And it becomes a mountain. It's cut by no human hand. And it fills the whole earth. That's Jesus. Jesus comes during the days of the Roman Empire. Jesus comes when the people of God are ruled by this mixture of strength and weakness, the Herodian dynasty and the Roman rule, and the divided nature of this kingdom Jesus comes and Jesus, Jesus's kingdom is not a kingdom of this world. It's not another part of the statue. One of the problems 
in Jesus' days that the people wanted to make him king and overthrow the Romans, thinking, okay, he's going to become the next part of the statue. But no, his kingdom becomes such that it's no longer ruled over by any, because it's not a kingdom of this world. It's not cut by any human hand, and he doesn't leave it to another. He himself is king of kings and lord of lords forever and ever and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Right? Love that hallelujah chorus from Handel's Messiah. So this is the king. This is the king we worship. This is the king whose birth we just celebrated. This is the king we love and adore. This is the king whose kingdom fills the whole earth. And we are privileged to be part of this mountain, Mount Zion, the holy mountain of God, which is filling all the earth. You know, in just a few days, Jeremiah and I will leave with Bob and Caleb Brown, and we're going to go over to Uganda, and we're going to be training pastors, and we're going to be conducting evangelism, and the Lord is going to expand his kingdom because he's been doing it for 2,000 years until it fills the whole earth. That doesn't mean politically it comes to dominate politically on the earth because it's not that kind of kingdom. It's not a part of the statue. It's bigger than, it's beyond that. It shatters all boundaries of tribe, tongue, people, and nation. It is a spiritual kingdom. It is an eternal kingdom. It is a kingdom that will stand when this world is no more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your King, Jesus, our Savior. Thank you for his kingdom that stands forever. Thank you for making us a part of his kingdom and for loving us with a love that never fails. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for Daniel 2. We are going to go back to King Hezekiah in Jerusalem and Isaiah 39 tomorrow. And then we get to Isaiah 40, one of my absolute favorite chapters in all the Bible. So I hope you can stick around as we continue going through God's word one chapter per day. Have a blessed day in the Lord.